Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I can't believe it's our last episode. I can't either. It's crazy. My name is Eva Longoria. And I am Maite Gomez Rejon. And welcome to Hungry Hungry for History. A podcast that explores our past and present through food. On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho. We talk about it all the time. You and I were like, isn't this, we are having so much fun. What a ride. The best, the best. And at the beginning, it's like, what? 30 episodes felt like a million. And now it's like, that's it? 30? Yeah. Well, because we have so, so much to talk about. And there's so many things that we were just saying, we could have broken up some of the episodes into two episodes Mm because we could talk on and on and on. We've had an amazing season of conversation about corn versus flour, about amazing ingredients and dishes and native and endemic foods and old world foods and new world foods. I mean, it's been so fun. I've learned so much and we've had so many adventures. I've learned so much. You're the expert. I'm just here to banter with you. Uh, I think we're, we're a good team, Eva. Yeah. <laughs> what was your, what's your favorite highlights of, of season one of Hungry for History? Oh gosh. Going to Veracruz and seeing the vanilla when you impregnated yeah. that vanilla. That, I did. That was really <laughs> special. I mean, just seeing that It was that so special. It was incredible. It was so special. I got to say, Veracruz is up there. When people ask me about searching for Mexico and those episodes, uh, they're like, what was your favorite? Obviously, Oaxaca. Obviously, Mexico City. And I was like, no. I mean, Veracruz had to be just mind-blowing because I didn't know what to expect from that region. But the, the vanilla episode, our coffee episode, also from Veracruz, it was it was really special. It yeah, I, I hope everybody can visit Veracruz and go to the vanilla fields because the fact that it's like a dying plant, like it's not going to be around for much longer. You have to go see how a vanilla bean is made. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I also I, love when we I love when we traveled to Spain because you know we we did the olive oil and the wine episodes there, but I loved, you know, Mike and I were just walking down the street and started talking about colonized diets and like, oh my God, should we do an episode on that? And God, you know, how do we reconcile being Mexican and Mexican American, but like having Spanish blood and 
and we're in the mother country and we're in the colonizer country, but yet we still, we speak Spanish. We're both Catholic. We're both, you know, all the traditions that come with it. Like we're like, oh, this is crazy. It's so loaded. I mean, it's so loaded. And that led us to our conversation with Claudia Serrato, which was so interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. And I think that just having these conversations and just, it takes us all over the world. I mean, some of the ingredients, I mean, we've talked about, like you said, native foods and this and that. And God, it's just such a melting pot. You know, it's one thing that I learned that I was really surprised by, and it might be the silliest thing, that chiles are berries. I know. That was mind blowing, and also, I what I was blown away by was in our beer episode that that's where really the notion of witches came from because of the brewery was done by women, and they had to wear pointy hats in the market for people to find them. What? That's where the witch's hat comes from. Like that was pretty fascinating to me. There's so many, so many things, so many you know, things that I loved. By now, people have realized hungry for history. We talk a lot about a lot of different foods in history, but really focused on on our Mexican experience and Mexican cuisine. And every time I mention to people that, you know, UNESCO has added Mexican cuisine to their uh, list of intangible cultural heritage of humanity, which means it's like a cultural treasure. The only other cuisine in its entirety is French. So it's only French and Mexican cuisine. Uh, protected by UNESCO as as an intangible cultural heritage for its farming methods, its cooking processes, an endemic and native utensils. Um, it's important. Like we're like wow, and I think people think of Mexican food sometimes as um, not less than, but just like not as fancy as French or Italian. And it's like no, no, it's all, the only the second cuisine that's added to. UNESCO's uh, importance of of this designation. And and it goes beyond the taste buds. It's centuries of recognition to value the food of Mexico. Yeah, it's incredible. But what what I find really interesting, I mean, there's all of that. And Mexican food is extraordinary on so many different levels. But it took centuries for Mexicans themselves to recognize the value of their own food. Because of colonization. And, you know, when we did our tacos and street food episode, oh, tacos are, you know, lower class street food. And, you know, all of these labels that were placed over the over the centuries by by different people, it took many years for Mexicans, some, not all, but to think, oh, yeah, corn is really valuable. And corn has such a rich, long, deep history. And I think it's it's still, it's changing. I think now, you know, people are really want to learn more. And I think because people are so interested in where our, their food comes from, um, mm-hmm. that these conversations are are being had right now. And this is one of the reasons why I love talking to you about this, you know, because yeah. it's, it's exciting to go yeah. back, to go back and to go forward and, you know, sideways and explore it all. I knew a lot of ingredients that were endemic to Mexico because, you and I are both pretty literate on stuff like that, but there were some that I was surprised about that weren't. I was like, for sure the lime is endemic to Mexico. No, it's not. It's, you know, 
endemic to Asia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Or cilantro, or, right? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. But I also think Mexican food at the heart, at the heart, I think all food, but specifically Mexican food is tradition. It's like a series of food traditions. And you mm-hmm. can, you know, visit all of these cookbooks and manuscripts and history and see just the evolution of the people and that story that's told through the food, whether immigration, conquest, colonization, you know, enslavement, you know, Veracruz with La Huaca. Yeah, um, I forgot about that. That's another highlight, seeing that. Another highlight of Veracruz, yeah. And then seeing, you know, the, the indigenous and native culture hold on with such a grip like we will not give up these traditions or these processes, you know, corn survived that, right? Their their stories are able to be told because of the food we eat today. And so, you know, the native experiences all around us. These crops, a lot of these crops have survived because that's their job has been taking care of these crops from generation mm-hmm. to generation to generation. And only now are we paying attention. Well, that, yeah, it's living, it's oral history, it's living Mm -hmm. history. And that's why I think talking about food and documenting food and process and techniques is so important. You know, the eating habits and culinary practices of a people or a region or a country is, is about telling the history. Just the the importance of writing down a recipe making these dishes because things if you don't talk about it if you don't cook Mm -hmm. it if you don't grow it the stuff will disappear yeah it'll be forgotten totally totally i also love like discussing food brings to light a lot of politics you Mm -hmm. know economics social issues environmental issues and the intersection of of those issues as they overlap on each other but the intersection of culture across time and place and you know whether it was a street vendor episode or the decolonizing episode or our cookbook episodes right like there's a lot of social issues that we touch upon that I think are worth discussing and I think an easy way into those discussions Mm -hmm. is food don't go anywhere hungry for history we'll be right back There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey, everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. 
State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tudor Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tudor shows wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Have people asked you, like, what's authentic Mexican food or what's what constitutes a truly authentic Mexican meal? Yeah, I have a problem with that word authentic, right? Like, what is okay. authentic, you know, mean? Because on the one hand, there are so many versions, I think, of authentic, you know, cuisine, right? So these, these patterns of mm-hmm. colonization are central to these conversations about food and authenticity. And yeah. maybe it's possible for a country to have multiple authentic cuisines. For the final episode of Hungry for History, we wanted to interview someone cooking food authentic to them while also challenging the perceptions of Mexican food in the U.S. Here's our interview with Chef Ray Garcia, a native Angelino who draws culinary inspiration from the city's rich culture and California's agricultural abundance. So one of our favorite questions to ask our guest is what are your favorite childhood food memories? One of the biggest childhood memories for me was uh, making tamales around Christmas time because it was sort of a whole family affair. It was three generations of family working together on, on, on one project, you know, all excited, all hungry. Um, you know, and this was when I was a kid. So it just kind of added to that excitement of of Christmas time, you know, we had a we had a tradition. We'd start the tamales, and then we would get them cooking. You know, go to church, come back, eat the tamales, open presents. So that's something that's always been stuck in in my head when it comes to just the idea and the thought of of family and celebration and and the connection to to food. So, who are your heroes? Is there are there any uh, chefs, either professionals? or home cooks that have inspired you on your journey? I would say my, not even culinary related, my, my biggest inspirations and influences have been my, my parents. And not even from a food standpoint, but just that I say my dad kept me working and my mom kept me dreaming. Um, and I think that that's really what has sort of pushed me to, to the level that I, I am now is that that hard work and that dedication and that, you know, no one can tell you, you know, when, when to stop, no one can put limits on, on what you can do except for, for yourself. And that's something that is, has driven me, you know, on the food side though, I think, especially with Mexican food is Carlos Delgado. Um, he has an amazing restaurant in, in Orange County, Taco Maria. And he opened up uh, Taco Maria around the, the same time or a little bit before um, we had opened up Broken Spanish. And, and he was, sort of a, a you know a soldier along you know w- with me in this in this battle to bring you know alta california and, and the cuisine to the forefront he's inspired me and, and continues to, to to do so and and supports me um as well as uh jorge gaviria from macienda 
uh, you know, without him, there, there would be there would be no corn, there would be no no masa at our, our, our restaurants. And um, you know, his dedication to land raised corn, organic corn, bringing you know the, these crops back from from near extinction has been a, a huge uh, huge asset for us. You've been in the restaurant business for many, many years. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how things have evolved over the years? I mean, I had a, a long journey in this, this business started in 1994. I was a, uh, a busboy at a, at a local Mexican restaurant handing out chips and salsa um, in that, you know, fell in love with the industry, fell in love with, with food. Um, it actually took me in a path to, to work more on the, on the service side. You know, as a waiter, paying my way through through college. After that, fell you know in love with with, with the kitchen, with the uh, you know the, the you know, my curiosity for for ingredients, for for technique, for execution. Um, it took me on on a path through some very high end restaurants. And what I was finding is that I was getting a certain, I guess, part of my curiosity filled, and I was learning a new skill. Uh, but it was still lacking a bit of connection. For, for me, uh, as I was making these recipes, I could I could do them well, I could execute them well, but it was really just me working off of a, a sheet of paper that somebody handed me, and I could taste: is it you know does it have enough salt? Is it cooked enough or undercooked? But there there, there wasn't that next level connection that that I I had to uh, other ingredients and other foods. So after about fifteen years of of cooking, um, you know, mostly. You know, still a style of California cuisine, but more Eurocentric. I decided to shift into something that connected with me personally, and that was was broken Spanish. And doing so, you know, it allowed me to connect to more than just those superficial ideas of flavors and you know, is this visually pleasing, but really connecting to to memories, to happiness, to to joy, to to family. Uh, and I feel like that allowed me to cook at a at not only another level, but to connect with people and and bring some of those moments to to them. So tell us a little bit about Astrid. I've been there. It's so delicious, so amazing. So tell us about this restaurant and how you evolved from broken Spanish to Astrid. Sure. I think I think the overall perception of Mexican food is is evolving um, and in a, a positive way. It is, it's very in vogue, but I think it's still um, underappreciated and undervalued um, when it comes to really understanding the diversity of, of Mexican food and cuisine and, and culture, um, and to really you know assign it that same value that you might other you know, other other cuisines that are using near identical ingredients, but manipulating them in a, you know, in a different way. And, you know, at, at Astrid, you know, it is a very Californian cuisine. You know, it's a very Californian restaurant, I should say, um, and specifically Angelino in that it incorporates uh, culinary traditions from all around the world, but especially, um, you know, Mexico, Latin America, and some of those flavors that, that I just really enjoy cooking with. And you'll see, you know, that appear in many of the dishes that, that we do without it being sort of a, a quote Mexican restaurant, but some of those flavors and, and, and styles that I've uh, worked on over the years. For people who might not be familiar with the term, how do you define Alta California cuisine? What is it? 
Sure, I think uh, Alta California is, is more than just a, a geographic, um, you know, designation of you know the areas of, of California and some parts of the, you know, the, the south uh, southwest there. Um, but it's really a cuisine that's it's rooted in in you know its native Mexican heritage, um, but takes on inspiration from from California, um, you know, specifically you know the the, the ingredients and, and the techniques. Um, and, and for me, you know, it's, it goes through a very Angelino lens or Angelino filter. Um, and Los Angeles is a, is a very, you know, there, there's a lot of diversity in, you know, in people in cuisine. Um, so you are, are blessed with a lot of this cross-pollination of, of, of information and tradition um, that works its way into the flavors and the style of, of cooking that is uh, Alta California. Last question. Are there any misconceptions about Mexican food or Mexican American food that you would like to clear up? Yeah, I, well, that's, there's there's a lot of uh, perceptions and, and misconceptions about uh, Mexican food. I think the biggest thing is that people's unwillingness to pay for for quality ingredients and quality craftsmanship and workmanship when it comes to, to Mexican food. I, I think that there's a stigma about it that it, you know it should be. It should be cheap. It should be, you know, a taco should cost you know, no more than two or three dollars, and that there's, you know, a limit to, you know, the the, the creativity and and the you know the flavor profile, and and that's not it. Mexican food is is more than dishes that you order by by number and a, a large plate of rice and beans with melted cheese over the top of it. So I would say get out there and and, and explore and appreciate. Chef Ray, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for joining Hungry for History. Uh, We are so excited to feature you on our last episode. Thank you so much for taking the time. We've got more after the break, so don't go anywhere. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As an actor, a producer and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when reflecting on what matters most, I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tudor Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tudor shows wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
What do you think the perception of uh, of Mexican food is here in the U.S.? I I think that it's changing, right? I I mean, I think that there are a number of high-end Mexican restaurants that have opened up in the city, or in the U.S., rather. Um, but I think a lot of people still think that if Mexican food is expensive, it's not authentic because Mexican mm. food should be cheap street food. But this to downplay this Mexican fine dining just downplays the contributions and the experiences of Mexicans who call the U.S. home. I think it it sort of minimizes the importance, you know, and the respect for Mexican foodways and, you know, traditions and innovation and history and flavor. But I think that it's changing. There are a lot of people, I think, that have introduced sort of fine dining um, and people are becoming much more open about it. But I think Mexicans are maybe not seen Mm-hmm. you know, as accepted as much as Mexican food. Well, Mexican cuisine is, it's one of the most popular ethnic cuisines in the United States because it's the most popular ethnic cuisine in 27 states and Chinese food is the most popular in 22 other states. Hmm. So Mexico inches out <laughs> being one of the, the, the most popular ethnic cuisine in the United States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really interesting. So I'm wondering, like, if claiming the inexpensive street taco or the hole in the wall, no frills place, calling that authentic, does it inflict damage on an already marginalized community? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe the sort of no frills interior design comes out of necessity. um, And then this necessity becomes authenticity so I don't know. What what does that mean for chefs, Mexican or Mexican-American chefs that want to carve new paths? You know, I think it's it's a struggle. What does it mean also for non-Mexican chefs doing Mexican food like Rick Bayless, mm-hmm. right? He's like an authority on Mexican food, especially in a conversation today about who gets to cook and say and where what. Yeah. I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't know the answer to it. I don't know the answer to it. But yeah, I mean, he was, he has, you know, the PBS show and Susan Feniger and Mary Sue Milliken, when they opened, um, they opened Border Grill and had a a Food Network show in the 90s called Two Hot Tamales. That would not fly. (laughs) That would not fly today. today. No, that that would not fly today. today. But we also have to celebrate, you know, those Mexican-Americans or Mexicans that are carving paths in the food industry um, as well, like yeah. like Zarela Martinez, who put Mexican fine dining on the map in New York in the 1980s. You know, uh, her restaurant, Zarela, it served everything from tuna with... Pipian. And then her son, Aaron Sanchez, who I uh, want to develop a show around, you know, followed in her footsteps. And he's had multiple Food Network shows. He has a James Beard Award. I mean, you know, to celebrate them as well. Or Jorge Gaviria, our first guest. Yeah. His book, Masa, is just a, a national bestseller. I mean, he was voted and the book was voted one of the best cookbooks of 2022. And it's of last a, year, yeah. 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 And it's a book on the history of corn. And this is a bestseller. There yeah. are so many people. Your show, you know, just yeah. bringing, I mean, it's, well, a, it's a love letter to Mexico. Yeah. It's amazing. Searching for Mexico really was a dream 
trip and uh, and a show that I think will finally show the beauty of this amazing country of Mexico. Um, because when you're talking about food, you're talking about people. Mm-hmm. And, and the people of Mexico are really beautiful. Uh, yeah, so I just feel like, you know, what's the future for Mexican food in this country? And how, how are people perceiving this cuisine or how this cuisine is changing because it's allowed to change it's allowed to evolve it's allowed to be a fusion it's allowed to like I think all those things are exciting there's so many people that are experimenting and doing such interesting things and I agree it's exciting Well, let me tell you, we have loved going on this journey with y'all and we hope you had as much fun as we did. I mean, if you could see our our text messages to each other, you guys <laughs> would know just how happy and excited we have been to do this show. Thank you to all of our listeners. Please share the podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to like, rate us, leave us messages. We really love hearing from you. And um, a special shout out to all the guests who did participate. Thank you so much. You helped make this show very special. So thank you for really making this a memorable season one. Thank you so much. And thank you, Eva. Thank you, Maite. Love you. (laughs) Love you. Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.